You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. DHS and the FBI warn that two North Korean malware campaigns are active in the wild. IoT vulnerabilities are disclosed. Smartphones ship with apparently inadvertent backdoors. Patch Tuesday was a big one this month. Russian trolls took both sides in the Brexit vote. A pro tip from the squints. A screenshot from a video game isn't, you know, actually gun camera footage. And North Korean shortwave gets hacked to play 80s rock. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, November 15th, 2017. Hidden Cobra, better known as the North Korean threat actor Lazarus Group, has been discovered distributing a remote administration tool to targets in the aerospace, finance, and telecommunications sectors. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security, DHS, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, in their warning yesterday called the RAT Fall Chill. It appears to be an espionage tool. DHS and FBI also issued a separate warning of a different North Korean bit of malware. This one, a Trojan called Volgmer, is being distributed by spear phishing. Two Internet of Things vulnerabilities have been disclosed. Cisco researchers report critical vulnerabilities in a widely used Foscam C1 indoor HD camera. Cisco disclosed the problems to Foscam, and Foscam has issued fixes. And security firm SEC Consult reports finding exploitable issues in older Siemens SciCam remote terminal unit modules. They're at the end of their life, and Siemens advises updating to newer versions. Smartphones from OnePlus, their models 5, 3, and 3T, appear to have shipped with backdoors. It occurs in the form of an engineer mode application that seems to have been a tool for development and factory testing. Such tools are common, but they're typically removed or disabled before the products ship. In this case, it appears to have been inadvertently left in place. It's not immediately obvious, but the back door can be found with a little bit of searching. OnePlus is preparing a fix. Most security experts who've commented seem to think that this particular issue isn't in itself a large problem. It is, of course, a less-than-large problem. But they see it as indicative of a certain carelessness about security and privacy at OnePlus. More generally, they see it as another example of the sort of flaw that crops up in firmware all the time. Orion Hindawi is co-founder and CEO of security company Tanium. The company recently hosted their annual Converge conference in San Francisco, bringing together customers and high-profile speakers for informational and educational sessions. 
I asked Mr. Hindawi what some of the takeaways were from the conference. Within security, we've got a few challenges that in the last year have become very apparent. Uh, and within manageability, we've got a few. So, you know, on the security side, a lot of our customers are much more concerned about destructive attack than they were even a year ago. So, you know, you think about a few years ago, uh, probably, you know, before Sony, and what most people were concerned about was this opportunity for attackers to come in and take their data and take their IP potentially and use it to copy their products or uh, take their customer data and use that to sell it. Uh, and now what I think a lot of our customers are becoming more and more concerned with is this idea that uh, they potentially could be put out of business in one day because if every asset that they have, every computer that they have is no longer functional, in most of our customers at this point, it would be existentially threatening to their business. On the management side, I think we've got a real fundamental change that's happened in the last couple of years, which is that IoT did not used to be IT's problem. So, you know, you think about heart rate monitors and all this stuff that has entered into enterprise, it used to be that that was a business line problem. And so if the business line was buying these things that were network connected, they should really be thinking about how do you manage them. And I think what's happened in the last couple of years is that uh, there have been some botnet attacks that were very visible. Uh, but also IT has realized that that's, in some environments, the majority of the assets on the network are becoming IoT. And that's only going to become more and more aggressive over time. And so I think from a manageability side, a lot of our customers are starting to realize that between cloud and work from home and IoT, the vast majority of the assets that they now have responsibility for didn't exist five years ago or 10 years ago. And so they've been forced to really change the way that they're doing manageability at a basic level, like inventory or patching or, you know, figuring out whether there are vulnerabilities present or, you know, doing software license management. All those things have to pretty dramatically adapt to that new world. Swinging back around to your Converge conference, um, you know, in this interconnected world when it's easy to look up information and easy to watch videos online or, or uh, online seminars, why do you think it's still important for folks to get together face-to-face? -to -face? So what we found with our customers in particular is that if they meet somebody who is a peer of theirs, and maybe it's over a beer, and they get a chance to really talk to them about how they're using our platform, what challenges they have in their environment, where they see their future from the standpoint of the challenges that they're seeing on the horizon, they can build trust. And what we're finding is that as, especially within the same industry, people meet a bunch of their peers, when they have a question or they have a challenge, they're starting to call them and really build a community that is organic. It's not something that we're curating, that we're trying to kind of turn into this uh, well-curated environment, but instead something that's organic and that they're building themselves. And so we've been trying to give them, like our community site, forums in which they can do this. But we do really think that bringing them together, showing them how we're looking at our platform, but also letting them interact with other people who are their peers in a face-to-face -face setting really is irreplaceable. And, you know, I, I definitely have friends of mine in Silicon Valley who think that we're all going to be wearing HoloLenses and <laughs> uh, that's going to be the future uh, of human interaction and that they may be right. But mm -hmm. 
uh, today, I'm not sure that it's easy to replace that ability to just sit down at a table and chat about, you know, really something that if you look at many of our customers has become integral to their ability to do basic manageability and security and have them discuss what's working, what's not working, what advice they have for us, and really inform us on where we should be taking the company for the next year so that when they come back a year from now, uh, many of the things that they wish we'd done, we were able to do. That's Orion Hindawi. He's the CEO at Tanium. Both Microsoft and Adobe issued a large number of patches yesterday. Microsoft's 50-plus fixes include some 20 that addressed Explorer and edge-critical browser issues, Adobe issued 80 patches affecting Flash Player, Photoshop, Connect, Acrobat and Reader, DNG Converter, InDesign, Digital Editions, Shockwave Player, and Experience Manager. The UK reports Russian trolling during the run-up to the Brexit vote. There was a lot of pro-Brexit chatter, but also a fair amount of Bremen support expressed from Russia. University researchers at Swansea in California tracked the activity and found that it included some genuine commentators, but also a very large number of bots and what they called cyborgs, semi-automated bots that operate with a degree of human involvement. A different research team, this one from Oxford and City University, found much activity from 30 highly automated social media accounts in late June. An Atlantic Council expert told the Times of London that in his view the content is typical Russian troll factory output. As the council's Ben Nemo put it, pro-Russian, pro-Assad, pro-Ukraine rebels, anti-Clinton, anti-NATO, anti-White Helmets, anti-EU. The question is whether it's pro-Kremlin or actually Kremlin-run. That's something which only Twitter can answer definitively. As has typically been the case with Russian information operations, the goal seems to have been inflammatory rather than programmatic. It didn't matter much whether Brexit or Bremen won, as long as the legacy of the vote was enduring mistrust and embittered partisan feeling. It's worth reminding ourselves that not all Russian information operations show comparable focus and discipline. The stuff that comes from the Ministry of Defense as opposed to the intelligence and security organs is frequently clumsy. Last week, the Russian Ministry of Defense published images and commentary which it claimed showed the U.S. providing air cover to ISIS in Syria. The larger claim, of course, is that the U.S. is playing a double game and is complicit with Islamist terrorism. Implausible on the face of it, the MOD's claim was quite specific, claiming to show U.S. coverage of an ISIS convoy fleeing the Syrian town of Abu Kamal on November 9th. But as independent news organization and habitual Moscow gadfly Bellingcat pointed out, the screenshot displayed was in fact captured from the video game AC-130 gunship simulator Special Ops Squadron. This was probably a goof, since the Russian MOD took the story down soon after exposure, but one wonders, who's the audience? Are they likely to buy it anyway, at least for a while? If your audience is gullible and their attention spans short, AC-130 Gunship Simulator Special Ops Squadron is good enough for the checkout line tabloid market. Finally, is North Korean Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un a fan of 80s soft rock? We're asking for a friend. Someone, apparently a hacktivist, but it's difficult to be sure, is also hacking around North Korean radio. They got into the feed of a DPRK shortwave station, regarded as a numbers station, an occasional broadcaster of provocative Zhush inspiration, and they played Europe's 1986 hit, The Final Countdown. The American patriotic hacktivist Jester has been tweeting his approval of the unknown hacker, 
As Jester Actual puts it, quote, A god among us has hijacked 6400 kilohertz and is playing the final countdown. We're wondering, because this sounds like a hack, but you never know. Supreme Leader Kim has been known to hang with Dennis Rodman, and once you've chilled with the worm, it's tough to know what to expect. Mr. Rodman has said that Mr. Kim likes to listen to the themes to the movie Rocky and the TV show Dallas. No mention of Swedish rock. Still, it's not out of the question. And Mr. Kim is also said to be into karaoke. Better Mike than missiles, we say. Make karaoke, not kilotons, Mr. Kim. And may Mr. Rodman be a force for good in your life. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, welcome back. You know, Section 702 of the uh, FISA Act, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, is uh, getting ready to expire. And uh, there are some legislators who have put forth some new legislation to perhaps uh, take care of some of the uh, items in 702. Can you just fill us in? What's going on here? Sure. So this law, which was enacted in 2008, uh, and key details about it were uncovered with the Snowden disclosures in 2013. It's going to expire uh, at the end of this year on December 31st. So there is an effort to both renew the law and revise it. The Trump administration supports renewing the law uh, in full, not making any uh, changes to protect civil liberties. And members of Congress in both parties, I think, find that outcome to be unacceptable uh, and are proposing a bunch of changes. So the program is designed to collect information from the communications of foreigners who are not located in the United States. 
problem, of course, is that it ends up incidentally uh, encapsulating the communications of many U.S. persons, because if I'm making a call to somebody on a terrorist watch list, then that call is, is eligible for interception. Uh, and if I say something on that call that might implicate me in some kind of crime, the government can use that to uh, arrest and prosecute me. And that's uh, a warrantless search. I mean, it kind of runs afoul of our Fourth Amendment principle that you shouldn't be able to search my stuff, search my communications uh, without some sort of warrant or prior authorization. And that's why opponents uh, refer to this as a sort of backdoor search of U.S. persons. The reform proposal that was passed by the House Judiciary Committee would do, and it was passed in a bipartisan manner, is it would require a search warrant to search records of U.S. persons for evidence of a crime or the, uh, the commission of a crime. Now, civil liberties advocates, I think, are disappointed because it doesn't go further. It still allows warrantless searches of that information for other purposes, like for foreign intelligence purposes, or even to just do some uh, investigatory work. Um, there was an amendment uh, proposed in the committee by a Democrat and a Republican that would have strengthened that provision to crack down on uh, backdoor searches. And it was defeated, mostly because uh, the House leadership said that the bill would not pass with that amendment uh, included. So I think there's a good chance that the House will pass that reform legislation. Uh, the Senate's bill is much weaker in terms of protecting civil liberties than the House's bill. And they're going to have to kind of reconcile all of this by the end of the year. So I think that's a major battle uh, to watch out for. And what uh, what's your money on? Do you think 702 is merely going to expire, or uh, will they renew it? Will one of these new uh, laws uh, replace it? I think that the most likely option at this point is that the clock is going to run out because of the legislative backlog that Congress has, mm. and they're going to force be forced to do some sort of temporary renewal, maybe for six months uh, or for another year. I think there's enough disagreement in Congress uh, about the particulars of a of a reform bill that they wouldn't be able to get it done in the um, you know six remaining weeks that we have in, in 2017, especially since um, Congress is only going to be in session for I think maybe three of those weeks. So I think it's mostly a, a time issue. I would guess at some point in 2018, we'll see something pretty similar to the House bill where there'll be a reform effort better than uh, the status quo, but not something that some of the civil liberties groups like the Electronic Frontier Foundation, ACLU, are going to be particularly uh, enthralled with. All right. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 